Welcome to Open Government in Florida. I'm Pamela Marsh, president of the First Amendment Foundation, a nonpartisan nonprofit working for your constitutional rights. On this podcast, we speak with citizens, journalists, leading state advocates, and elected officials about the importance of transparency in government, freedom of the press, and access to government at every level in the Sunshine State. If you want to know how to get the truth in Florida, this is the place to listen and learn. My guest today is Mary Ellen Class, Capitol Bureau Chief for the Miami Herald and a shared bureau for the Tampa Bay Times. She covers government and politics in the capital city. She's one of the most highly respected investigative journalists in our state. She's been responsible for breaking some of the biggest corruption stories in Florida. I first met Mary Ellen when I was serving as the U.S. Attorney here in Tallahassee. She came to see me at my office at the federal courthouse with Lucy Morgan, another serious legend in Florida journalism, especially when it comes to government corruption. The two of you came to see me to talk about my plans to investigate corruption, which I had made a priority. So welcome, Mary Ellen. Oh, thank you. It's great to be here, Pamela. Are you still investigating government corruption? You know, the simple answer is yes. Um, but I think we need, I need to explain a little bit why. Um, I've lived and worked in Tallahassee more than 30 years. And over this time, I've kind of watched as things have led to an increase in the prevalence of corruption and ethical breaches in state government. Um, you know, there's really two reasons why that's happened. Um, the first is the shrinking of the news business and the number of reporters in Tallahassee. We've gone from about 100 reporters 20 years ago to 30. Um, so there are fewer watchdogs. And, and the second shift I've noticed is that there's, um, there has been this move to privatization of state government where private industry gradually took over the job of state government and oversight and, and uh, services. And while there's lots of good reasons for why that was a really important thing to do and, and why that uh, was not a bad thing for a fast-growing state, um, the result has been that in this state with a $93 billion budget that has, it's really a, an economy that's that's the 17th largest in the, on the globe. Wow. That means that there's just a lot of uh, reason for people to sort of be attempting to influence how government spends its money. And so there's um, just an enormous amount of attention put into, um, you know, what I think has been the manipulation of state spending through contracting and influence. Right. And so, you know, when you weave all that together with politics, greed, and power, it's like the formula for corruption, you know, booster rocket fuel for corruption. And so um, that's, that's why I'm still covering corruption. Absolutely. And it's interesting to me to hear you say that both the media has changed and the state government has changed. And we also see the boom in the lobbying industry up here as well. So um, I guess good to have watchdogs like the press and the 
First Amendment Foundation, staying on top of open government and access to records. Um, speaking of access to records, do you often use the public records law to get your leads or, or where do you build your sources for your stories? How do you dig into the, to the facts? Yeah. Um, well, you know, one of the things that I, we learned from Watergate, right, is you follow the money. Right. Um, so while there is a lot of disclosure and, and, um, and through the budgeting process, we get access to documents. It's what's behind those documents that gives us the window into how things are really working. Um, so, you know, for example, right now we're under an emergency order because of the coronavirus crisis. And that's allowed the state to waive the rules and enter into hundreds of no-bid contracts. Um, and it's in every agency. And uh, there are industries now that have spent fortunes on trying to hire hire lobbyists over the, you know, for decades to water down inspections, waive rules, change regulations. But with the stroke of a pen, the governor did it with an emergency order. And all those rules are waived. And so now we have this um, this confluence of emergency, public health crisis, and enormous amounts of money pouring into the state from the federal government and everything. So there's just a ripe opportunity to get information. And of course, the way to do that is to use our public records laws. Um, to get and, at the to, spending, to, to, to get, get at, at where the money's going. Yeah, what's right? behind, what's behind um, who... Who are the people, you know, influencing these this spending? Um, but it's not always all that easy to get that. As a federal prosecutor, we used to say when federal money would come down, whether it was for Katrina or an oil spill, just wait a month or so and there'll be fraud behind it. So I think we're in a similar position here. Um, interesting. Have you seen, because of COVID, delays in government agencies providing you with these documents that are public documents? Yes. I mean, um, it's enormously frustrating. Um, we have, you know, government is pretty overwhelmed right now, especially the agencies that relate to public health, the public the Department of Public Health, the um, Agency for Healthcare Administration. But one of the things that is so frustrating is that as people are trying to get information about how to stay safe and find information that's important to them, we are struggling to get those facts out. Um, early on, the state was stonewalling our public records requests um, on simple things like um, getting the number of deaths at nursing homes, getting access to how many cases at nursing homes so that family members would know, and, and family members in many ways can hold facilities accountable, but when they don't have access to the information, it's impossible to do that. So the state made it difficult. So the Miami Herald joined with the First Amendment Foundation and a coalition of news organizations, and we ended up suing the Department of Health for, for those uh, initial records. Um, and, you know, that's why this is frustrating, um, because we shouldn't have to sue to get things in the midst of a pandemic to get basic information. 
Absolutely right, because that's when we need the information most so that we know how to make those decisions. And you're right, um, you were incredibly diligent on that at the front end of the request, asking over and over, not just for the number of deaths, but who was being tested and which nursing homes, just to identify the nursing homes. And it seemed that um, while there are exemptions that allow the state to keep information private, they were sort of throwing up barriers that weren't applicable, that exemptions weren't proper um, to hold it back. I remember HIPAA was one of those. Um, are you finding that in other places? Uh, generally, local governments and state agencies, are they delaying using those tactics of throwing up exemptions that don't apply? You know, it's interesting. It's a it's a mixed bag. Um, we have actually had a pretty good experience in Miami-Dade County because we have found that they want to get information out to the public. It's, of course, the number of cases in, in Miami-Dade and in South Florida have been so much higher. And I think they realized sooner than the state government that the more information people had, the easier it would be for them to defend some of the restrictions they were placing on people. Um, the opposite happened at the state level where they didn't want to impose restrictions on people. And so they also didn't want people to see how bad things were. I mean, I'm, I am assuming that was their motive. I don't know for sure, but that on the, that's on the outside how it looked. And since they have one of the other frustrations is they have not been answering our questions um, and have now not been telling us what they don't know that we're kind of stuck with uh, just drawing conclusions on what is publicly available. So it basically depends upon leadership, is that right? I think the, the leadership has been, um, you know, I think they've, they've it's been difficult. Um, at the start, they were very, as, as you say, obtrusive about some of these things, and it's gotten better, thankfully, but it's been a struggle. I want to pivot to that a little bit um, with respect to leadership. We've seen reporters recently being arrested while covering public gatherings and protests, even after showing their media credentials. We see top journalists being bullied by national and state leaders, their, their work criticized as ridiculous. Is respect for freedom of the press at an all-time low, or am I imagining that? You know, I think that... Um We've reached a point where it's there are really no holds barred right now in terms of understanding what is the norm. And um, because we have uh, the because the president has decided that it's it's really to his advantage to um, shoot the messenger, to blame the media, um, it's become commonplace and acceptable. And, you know, in many ways, that has led to what I think has been uh, a complete, um, it's backfired because there is, we are now in a public health crisis. And what the best thing that can happen is for government to have an independent press to, to be amplifying its message and have people trust that what they're saying is trustworthy. Because as long as we can verify and validate and, and hold them accountable, then government is better trusted. 
but instead we find that government is not trusted. And I think part of the problem is that they have dismantled trust in the media. And, and, and so we have this situation where nobody knows what to believe except what fits their preconceived ideas. And, and that's why we're having such a difficult time containing a virus when we are the most sophisticated country on the planet and other countries have done a far better job. And that's a perfect lead into my next question is how do we confirm that we're getting accurate information from our news sources? How do we find accurate news sources? I was watching Hassan Minhaj the other night and he said, we're living in the golden age of nonsense. Do you agree with that? And, and if so, how do we find the truth? How do we get to accuracy? I think um, we are now at a, at a period where people have to get more assume more responsibility for discerning their information. Um, people used to sort of be passive about just taking things for granted. But we we now, we, we've, we don't rely on the same sources of information like we did 50 years ago when there were three networks and, you know, a, a couple everybody had a, had a couple local newspapers on which to rely on for independent information. We, we reached, we have now reached a point where there's social media, people get information from so many places that if you don't, you've got to find your place that you can trust and you've got to start relying on that. And, um, I'll be honest, I have a bias and, and I think one of the best things you can do as a reporter is, is, um, examine your biases and and be straight about them but i am pretty sure that the 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 media that's closest to the people is local government is local media local journalism right and we are the ones that have a stake in being fair and um showing all sides that no single story is going to have be objective. Objectives is a false promise. But people need to, if people can start relying and trusting on sources of information, which I believe is and should be local journalism, um, then we can push back against some of this false misinformation. And people are wising up. I mean, just as we can trust voters to, to select and discern we should be able to also trust people to find their inf their sources of information. It's just going to take a lot more work right now. Well, I love following you on, tw on Twitter. That's something new for me. Um, I also subscribe to six state newspapers and a couple of online services and two national newspapers, and I love our public radio here. Um, if we as citizens of the United States respect freedom of the press, um, and we think of the media as a fourth branch of government overseeing the other branches as a check on other branches. Um, what can we do to support local media? Well, um, it's a really tough time right now for local media. Since the coronavirus, there has been um, an enormous uh, number of um, newspapers and news organizations that have had layoffs. Um, you know, to me, the best thing people can do is subscribe um, and and subscribe to more than one. And I'm so grateful that you are, you've subscribed to many. It's not cheap, I realize that, um, but there is a cost 
if we disappear. And that may be something that be, may be really difficult to replace. Um, I think that we also need to have uh, an uh, understanding that we need reform. We need perhaps tax reform that allows um, media to be operated free from tax burdens. Um, perhaps we need a public uh, public radio model for local journalism. But and those there's many um, proposals in Congress right now to allow those to happen. They're moving. They're not moving at all. Um, wow. There is no there is no national priority to revitalize local news, no local reporting. Um, there are many smart ideas out there. I think we've reached a critical mass where people understand it's a problem, but we are dropping and disappearing faster than ever. Um, and it's and I think until we get to a point where everybody realizes that they have a stake in this instead of just complaining that you don't like your, you're not subscribing to your local paper anymore because it's so thin. Um, you know, it's, it's time to, that everybody sort of says, okay, this is, this is part of what being a public citizen is in this country and, um, and push back. It's such an important piece of the fabric that we are and so important to democracy. So I want to thank you for being here and um, sharing your thoughts with me. It breaks my heart to see what's happening to local media. So I hope our listeners will subscribe um, at least to one local paper um, and read it, read deeply, not just headlines. Um, and I want to give our website, it's Florida spelled out faf.org. We have all sorts of resources to help you um, file your own public records request and get to the truth. Getting the accuracy and the, the truth out is really what we need to do as we come up on the next election cycle. Thank you, Mary Ellen. Well, thank you for all you do too. It's so important. 